family, if you have your copy of God's Word, would you open to the book of Psalms? We're reading in the first chapter this morning. Hear the word of the Lord. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in season, and its leaf does not wither, and all that he does prospers. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. This is the word of the Lord. Motions, I don't know if I'll keep this mic or not. Real quick, I do want to do this. I think the only ones we got, if the Wade kids and the Chromie kids would come up here, I just want to show you what we're going to be doing in the 11 o'clock service. Come on, come on. All right? Up here on stage, man, look, look pretty. All right? Or do your best. I just want to show for you, and I wanted to do this because for a couple reasons. One, I want to thank you as Poplar Spring for investing in our kids, for making this a priority. And the 11 o'clock services is what we're going to be doing. We're going to be celebrating this. But as you see kids walking around, the reason they're walking around uh, with this Awana garb on, because it's allowing them, it's the rewards for their hard work. It is allowing them to show you uh, what they have done. And so you have the Cubbies, and they're already doing their thing. Turn around, Karis. If you notice on their vests, they have patches. Okay, Those patches represent what they call sections, a number of verses in a group, they call sections. And so as you see these cubbies even standing here, they have memorized, uh, our three- to five-year-olds, they've memorized somewhere in the neighborhood of 20 to 30 verses, okay? And they'll be getting a, a um, ribbon uh, this morning for passing their book, but they get these big books. And so even as you see three- to five-year-olds wearing these little vests with all these patches on that, that is showing that they have worked hard. Uh, their parents obviously have worked hard. And they have memorized somewhere in the neighborhood of 20 to 30 verses to get those patches and get the ribbon that they will be receiving today. You'll see the sparks. Here we got it. Lydia, uh, Kylie, Colt. Um, that is our kindergarten through second grade. And so every year you do a book. And so as you can see on uh, Colt's, especially he's done all three books as a second grader. And he has finished those hundreds of verses. Uh, and then underneath their, their wings you see a patch. That patch means they went back and said everything again. Um, and so we're teaching them, and Awana is using that to say, we don't want them just getting in there and, da, 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 and saying a verse. They're going to go back and say that. And most of these kids, uh, that when you see those review patches, went back and probably said anywhere from 50 to 60 verses in about three nights. Okay, They just pop them off. It is amazing uh, what God is doing in the lives of these young people as they're learning the Word of God. Then you see Sarah. Sarah is in the third and fourth grade. Um, and so you see on their vests, they'll have these little flying bees, as I like to call them. That is a reward for the sections that they have learned. And then Caleb has patches everywhere. Okay, Fifth and sixth graders, they get to choose their patch. They can get any patch they want. And as you can see, they have patches all over the place. Again, just want to clarify, that is that by the time you get to where Caleb's at, you, you've learned hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of verses. Okay. Thank you, guys. You can have a seat. Real quick, I want to encourage you also, because this is going to be the point of what we're going to study this morning. 
you see all these trophies up here. We had to order special trophies, two, four, six, eight, ten, eleven special trophies because kids that got done with their books that are supposed to take them a year or, or you know, from August to May to finish, a number of them finished them by December. And so we're like, oh, no, what do we do? And so Matt put together a little booklet with the book of James. We had one girl almost get through chapter 4 of James, has learned James 1 through 4. If you don't realize how many verses that is, open your Bible and look at it. It'll take you a couple minutes to read it, much less to memorize it. And so all these kids that you see these trophies up here that will be receiving these trophies this morning literally memorized at least the majority of chapter 1 of James, many of them through chapter 2, chapter 3, and even into chapter 4. The majority of those 11, all but two, so nine of them, are kindergarten to second grade. The girl that has memorized through James chapter 4 is an 8-year-old. That's amazing. And so as we come to this scripture this morning, I want to encourage you. Now, I have been convicted greatly. My, my son has been after me all year. He wanted to do a contest in the book of James. He beat me terribly. Um, it is something that I have to work on. But understand this. I'm not here to guilt trip us. But I am here to encourage us of the importance of the Word of God in our lives. And so I, <clears throat> I want to say, first of all, thank you for supporting Awana, uh, for giving to that and allowing that to be a part of our church. We have anywhere from 60 to 80 kids. If you aren't here on a Wednesday night, you'll hear them from Brantleytown Road. Uh, it is extremely exciting. It's extremely loud. Uh, but God is blessing it, and we're seeing kids uh, learn the Word of God and it is exciting and encouraging. So if you want to be a part of it, you knew I'd bring this around. If you want to be a part of it, we can always use helpers. All right? We can always use helpers. 60 to 80 kids, it's like herding chickens. All right? But there's all kinds of different jobs. There's everything from uh, helping be a record keeper during verse time. Give us a half an hour on a Wednesday night. 7.30 to 8. <clears throat> um, let's see. Bobby does it. Bobby Strickland. Uh, Becky Horton does it. Uh, Faye Griffin does it. Uh, Dolly Strickland does it. They come back at 7.30 and just say, hey, we'll come listen to verses. Okay, it's the quietest part of Awana, all right, uh, for the most part. All they're doing is saying verses. Uh, but those people are invaluable to us. We could not listen to 60 kids trying, and there's usually a line out the door trying to say their verses. We need people to just listen to verses. Uh, we need people to take record and keep track of all these. This is the scariest thing for Matt and I is trying to get all these awards and making sure we get everybody's awards so some kid's not sitting here going, I did that, and I didn't get an award. And so we need record keepers. We need uh, help in all those areas. And so, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> if you can help in any way, uh, next fall you will have the opportunity. And so pray about that. It's, it's an extremely exciting ministry. It's a great blessing. Uh, and uh, we'll put you to work in a heartbeat, all right? And so, as you see these kids, though, I do want you to say, uh, congratulate them. They've worked very hard um, at learning this. And uh, if you're a parent here and your kids are in a one, I want to say thank you for the work that you put in. These kids cannot memorize this scripture without parents and people investing in them. And so, thank you for that. Psalm chapter 1. <clears throat> Psalmist here in the book, Psalm chapter 1. Basically, is showing us there are two paths for two people, two kinds of people. Two paths for two kinds of people. We see here in chapter 1, beginning, Blessed is the man. 
blessed, happy, uh, some of your versions might say. It's interesting if you jump on the internet and Google what does it take to be happy, you get all kinds, all kinds of suggestions. It's kind of funny, I was, I was looking at it the other day. One of them says, <clears throat> money will make you happy. It's proven that if you have money, uh, you have a better chance of being happy, so work as much as you can to get money. The very next website said, try to get off and not work so much. That's what makes you happy. So don't work so much. Relax. Just, just get by. You don't need all kinds of expensive things to be happy. Uh, so don't worry about it. Just don't work so much. Find a job that just you enjoy. You don't make much money. Live simply. And you're like, well, wait a second. Two different places. One saying go after money. Chase it with all you got. The other one saying it doesn't make you happy. And you can go on down the list. Some say just take care of yourself. Nobody else is going to. Some say it's wrapped up in uh, going outside, we're inside too much. Some say get rid of nagging tasks in your life. Some say do a good g- deed. Uh, sign up as an organ donor. It makes you feel like you've saved somebody's life. All these are recommendations of what it is to be happy. What it is to have uh, this happiness. Blessedness doesn't mean necessarily all about happiness, but it has the connotation of what is it to be blessed? What is it to be happy? And if we were reading this and you say, blessed is the man, God says, blessed is the man, immediately you're going to say what? Let's read on and find out what it is that is going to have this man blessed. What is it that, that we need to know for this blessing or this happiness? We should be driven to know the answer. And so I see three things here that sets this blessed person, this happy person, apart. Number one, where he gets his counsel. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. We are going to spend the majority of our time right here. But blessed is the man... And the decision here is where is he going to get his counsel? Blessed is the man that walks not. Well, where does he not walk? In the counsel of the wicked. Nor stand in the way of sinners. Nor sit in the seat of the scoffer. There's this progression. He's walking with them. Then he's standing with them. Then he's sitting with this scoffer. And the question becomes, where are you getting your counsel? Jim Rome said, you are the average of the five people you spend the most time with. You are the average of the five people you spend the most time with. The question is stated here is who are you with all the time? Where are you getting your counsel? Because there's two ways, two different types of counsel that are brought out here. You can be walking in the counsel of the ungodly, the wicked. You can be standing with the sinners. You can be sitting with the scoffers. Or your delight is somewhere else. Your delight will be in the law of the Lord. But interestingly enough here, he is not saying, he says, your counsel, blesses the man whose counsel is not over here. But it doesn't say, but then goes and just gets his counsel when he needs it from the pastor. Or the Sunday school teacher somebody that he knows is spiritual what does it say 
Blessed is the man who's count, who, who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. What is the difference here? This idea of the wicked, the sinners, the scoffers. In fact, uh, Solomon would say to his son in Proverbs chapter 1, verse 10, My son, if sinners entice you, do not consent. These people, the question is, who are these people that are giving you counsel? These scoffers, the ones that would hate God. The ones that would mock God. The fool that says in his heart, there is no God. Proverbs again, 21, 24 says, The scoffer is the name of the arrogant, the haughty man who acts with arrogant pride. An arrogant man, one full of arrogant pride, is not looking to whom for their counsel. God, why? Because even in the next verse, it's going to say, His delight is in the law of the Lord. How many of you like laws? How many of you have ever heard someone say, well, I'd become a Christian, but man, if you become a Christian, you've got to obey a bunch of laws. Anybody ever heard that? Yeah, none of us like laws. Right? When you leave here this morning, and you're on your way to lunch, how many of you are going to say, man, I just hope the speed limit's 45 miles an hour. I want to obey the law. Right? Nobody says that. Why? Because naturally in our hearts, we do what? We despise laws. Right? Come on now. Remember back when we were in high school when we were young and immature? Now we like laws. Back then, we didn't. If somebody told you you couldn't do it, what did you immediately want to do? Or what did you do? You did it. Right? To prove it could be done. Why? Because, listen folks, our hearts are naturally drawn to rebel against God. Is that not what Paul is writing in, in Romans chapter 3? There is none righteous. There is none that go after God. We don't want anything to do with God. And the question that we're seeing here is, blesses the man who's not looking at these people for counsel that have no desire for God. How many times, folks, in our lives... Have we heard people say, or have it, has it come out of our mouths, I know the Bible says, but so-and-so says. Right? Out of, out of the mouths of Christians. I know the Bible says, but that's, that's old, man. I mean, now, uh, you know, Oprah says, or Dr. Phil says, or name my friend says, or I read this article on the Internet that says, or I, where are you getting your counsel? And he's warning us. He's warning us. Even the psalmist would say this in Psalm 119, 35-37. He knows his own hearts when he cries out to God and says, Lead me in the paths of your commandments. For I delight in it. Incline my heart to your testimonies and not to selfish gain. Turn my eyes from looking on worthless things and give me life in your ways. What is the psalmist saying in Psalm 119? Listen, I know what my heart is drawn towards. My heart is drawn toward what? He names it selfish gain. Looking at worthless things. And he says, God, draw me to your commandments. Incline my heart to your testimonies. Give life, give me life in your ways. Two paths. Blessed is the man. Looking at the paths that does what? Doesn't go down the path of finding counsel from the wicked and the sinners and the scoffers, but instead his delight is in the law of the Lord. 
his delight, what he desires, what he lives for, what he looks for. His delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law does he meditate day and night. The question we have to ask ourselves, my friend, is do we delight in the word of God? Do we delight in the word of God? Is it something that we look forward to? Is it the thing that we grab first in the morning when we sit down and have a little time and say, you know what, I need to relax. I need to just take, uh, take a breather. I need to sit down. What is the first thing that we say, let's look and let's read? Paper? Facebook? Turn on the television? What is it that we delight in? What do I desire How do I delight in the law of the Lord? The word delight here means to take great pleasure in. But most of us, again, don't take great pleasure in rules. And that's often how the word of God is looked at. The law of God, the word of God, is not just rules. I hope you've, you've seen that. It is getting to know the creator that we were created to Glorify, to have relationship with, to live for. So very practically, how do I delight myself in the law of the Lord? I wrote down a couple things. This is not exhaustive. I just want to encourage you, even as I thought about these kids and as Matt and I were putting together all these awards and looking through the books and and just what they have done, how do I delight in the Lord, in the law of the Lord? Number one, Do we read the Bible? Let's just start there. Do we read the Bible? Do you realize that a person reading at 200 words per minute, which may sound fast, it is not, the average person can read at 200 words per minute, you could read through the Bible in a year reading 10 minutes a day. 10 minutes. If we truly delight in the law of the Lord, if we delight in the Word of God, would that not mean that we would give 10 minutes of our day to read God's word. That's delighting in the law of the Lord. If it is something I take pleasure in, you realize that we spend a whole lot more time than 10 minutes a day doing a lot of other things. The average American watches TVs five hours a day. The average American spends 490 minutes a day on media through TV Internet, Facebook, newspapers, and magazines. As America, as Americans, we spend over 40 minutes a day on Facebook, on average. So the question really is, and again, I'm not trying to guilt us into something. I'm saying, I'm encouraging, hey, it isn't, it won't take that much time just to read through the Bible once in a year, 10 minutes a day. We spend a lot more time than that watching TV. We spend a lot more time than that, on average, as Americans. I know somebody may in here say, I don't watch TV. Okay. But folks, we find time for what we delight in. What we delight in, we make time for. Do we delight in the Word of God? Do we read our Bible? The average American that spends 40 minutes a day on Facebook 
would read through the Bible four times in a year if he took that time and put it to reading the Bible. Four times a year. Folks, do we delight in the Word of God? Number two, do we memorize it? Psalm 119.11, I, I read it to our, our kids in a one all the time. I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Now, some of you would sit here, and I've heard it said, and I've said it myself. Yeah, but they're young. They can memorize scripture, right? I'm old. I can't remember if I, you know, got up and went and had breakfast or I didn't have breakfast, so I just go have it again, right, Bobby? Amen. Right? You go up the stairs and forget what you went up there for, so you come back down. Listen. We can memorize. All of us can memorize. And you say, well, I could never memorize James 1 through 4. But memorizing James 1 through 4 is just a matter of discipline, of spending a little time each day memorizing God's Word. We would train our mind to memorize Scripture. Write it down when you get up in the morning and find that verse. And as you begin to... Write it down. Keep it where you can review it. Memorize a passage of Scripture. We're going to celebrate that this morning. But folks, the the fact of the matter is, and my conviction even this week, is I'm not leading the kids that I encourage to do this. Why are we not spending time delighting in the Word of God enough to memorize it? Because the fact of the matter is, we memorize what we want to memorize whether it's sports scores, sports statistics, whether it's political, whether it's things that work. We, we can and we do memorize. And if we would delight in the law of the Lord and meditate on it, and it'd be the thing that drives our thinking, my friend, listen, we could memorize the word of God. I remember a, a gentleman that came to our camp when I was working at the camp up in Virginia, he had gotten saved, 36, 37 years old, had been a drug, drug, drug addict for years, and his mind wasn't as sharp as it had been. He got saved, gloriously saved. And he made a promise to the Lord. He said, God, every day I'm going to lock myself in a room for an hour and do nothing but memorize Scripture. Now, I'm not saying you have to do this. I'm just saying, he, he said, man, I just want to know God's Word. And three years later, he was at camp with a pastor, and his pastor just said, hey, come up here, stand up here. All right, anybody, call out a verse from Romans, First and Second Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, First and Second Thessalonians, First and Second Peter, First and Second, Third John, Jude, James, and Philemon. Call any verse out. And he would stand up here, a man that had been on drugs for years, brain wasn't as sharp as it had been, And any verse you called out of any one of those books, he could quote for you. Why? The man loved to memorize Scripture. He just wanted to know God. Now, what I am not saying is that everybody should go home today and say, I'm going to lock myself in the room every day for the next year and memorize Scripture for an hour a day. I'm not saying that. It's not a legalist. I'm just encouraging you. You can memorize Scripture. Do we delight in the word of God? Thirdly, do we meditate on it? Here it says, and on his law does he meditate day and night. It has been said that we remember 10% of what we read. That's why oftentimes if we sit down even to read our Bible, 
we read it, walk out, and forget the majority of what we read that morning. 10% of what we read, we retain. 20% of what we hear, we remember. Anybody ever asked you during the week, hey, what did the preacher preach on on Sunday? And you go, uh, hold on, I know we're in Matthew chapter uh, 20-ish. Uh, we're getting, right? Why? 20% of what you hear, you remember. 30% of what you see and hear, you remember. Listen to this. 70% of what we say and write, we remember. That is why uh, we encourage you, take notes. What you write down, you will remember. If you hear, say and write it down, you're active in it, you will remember 70% of what you are studying. Lastly, 90% of what you say and you do, you remember. So what does that mean for our studying of the Word of God? How do we meditate on it? A couple of ideas. One, as you read a passage, you could outline it. Uh, old preacher... Uh, that lived across from our camp, started at about 75 years old. He said, man, I don't know why I never started this earlier. He said, but I started, and this man read his Bible all the time. He said, I started outlining every, every chapter I read. Just outline it. What's he saying? What's his points? What's his subpoints? He said, I didn't get real detailed. I didn't go to my study Bible and say, they got it outlined for me. I'll just copy it down. He said, I just wanted to study it and begin to outline. He said, man, I remember at 75 years old, I remember so much more about a passage because I write something down. Read it. Write it down. Outline it. Write down the points and the promises from Scripture and then focus on it throughout the day. Take notes on a sermon. We're having new bulletins printed that will have sermon notes area on the back. Why? Because we want you to write it down. We want you to learn and know God. Join a small group. Our, our growth groups come together to discuss the application of the sermon. One of the reasons we encourage that, because if you just sit here on Sunday, you often go home and even after lunch would say, man, I don't quite remember everything that I, I don't. But if you're writing it down and you're coming together, whether it's Sunday night, Monday night, Tuesday night, sometime during the week, and discuss that and how you can apply it, it in, we are encouraging you to do that, not just to have something else to do, so that it help you to know the Word of God, to delight in it, to learn it, to meditate on it, something that you would think about throughout the week. I would encourage you, go home on Sunday, sit down with your family and talk about the sermon, right? Helping you delight in the Word of God. Go to, go to work the next morning and share with a co-worker, Christian or not a Christian, share with somebody, co-worker, friend, hey, guess what I learned at church yesterday? Guess what I learned in my Bible reading this morning? What are you doing? You're delighting in the Word of God, because here's what I do know. What you would delight in, you will talk about. Listen to me. What you delight in, you talk about. You ever met that grandparent? You know the one I'm talking about. You're like, man, how's your day been? Look at my grandkids, right? And they pull out about 52, you know, if they still got the wallet. Remember the wallet, little picture thing? Nobody does that anymore, right? Miss Jewel, she's even got the iPad going on. She's like, well, let's scan 452 pictures. I don't even have to keep them in my wallet anymore, right? Why? Because grandparents, what do you delight in? Your grandkids, right? Parents, what do you delight in? 
you're like, I didn't even ask you about your grandkids. I don't know your grandkids. Love you, but I, I've never met them in my life. I don't care. I mean, I've seen one picture. I've seen a thousand. They don't care. Why? Because it's something they delight in. You don't, it doesn't take you five minutes of talking to somebody that you will know what they delight in. They will take the conversation there. My friend, do we delight in the Word of God? You say, man, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm a little bit afraid of just walking up to somebody and saying, listen to what I read in the Bible today. Well, then get, a, get an accountability partner. Get a, get a growth group. Say, hey, can we talk? I'm going to call you on my way to work. You're on your way to work. I'll call you on my way to work. Let's talk about what we learned in our Word of God. How about your spouse? Hey, honey, tonight, over supper or after the kids go to bed, let's talk about what we learned in our, our Bible reading this morning. Why? Because it helps you retain and meditate. Because if you know you have somebody that you're going to talk to about it, you're going to try to do what? Remember it. Right? You're going to try to know what it is that you're trying to talk about. So, get an accountability partner. Share a sermon over lunch. And lastly, on the meditation side, and I'm talking specifically of church here, search the scriptures to find out what was said was true. Don't just sit up here and say, oh, Stephen said that this morning. It must be true. Right? Isn't this not what it said in Acts chapter 17, or verse 11? Now, these Jews were more noble than those in Thessalonica because they received the word with all eagerness, examining the scriptures daily to see if those things were so. What did they do? Man, they heard the word of God preached, and then they said, man, let's go home and make sure he, what he said was right. Why? Because what is true is not some man. What is true is the Word of God. And if that man is not preaching the Word of God and something other than the Word of God, then that is false. Search your scriptures. Some of the most biblically knowledgeable people I've ever met have been laymen. In fact, I was just reading this week, H.A. Ironside wrote over 100 books on the Bible, commentaries, By the time he was 12, had was reading through the Bible up to 10 times a year. Read through his Bible multiple, multiple times a year from 10 years old and on. And as he stood in his, one of his final sermons, he said, my one regret is that I read too much of man's books and not enough of this one. We had a, one of my history teachers when I was going to the Christian school. Her husband, Al Dean, was in, ran an upholstery business in Sterling, Illinois. Al had dropped out of school at sixth grade, an old boy from Texas. He'd married. His wife has this college degree and is a teacher. I'll never forget, you'd drive by, we'd be going to camp or we'd be going to cook, uh, overnights and all that, all-nighters and that kind of stuff back when you know, you're wild and crazy as a kid. And uh, we'd be driving by their house, 4 o'clock every morning, their lights would come on. Mrs. Dean and Al Dean would be getting up to read their Bible for two, three hours before heading off to work. I say that to say, again, not that you have to get up at 4 a.m. and start reading your Bible for three hours. But I'll never forget, the pastor would be up preaching. Al Dean always saw, sat right where Miss Jewel is. And I always thought he was sleeping. You know, he'd be looking down at his Bible like that, and the pastor would say something to the effect of, man, there's a verse in Psalm that has to do with this topic. Mr. Dean, sixth grade education, would raise his head, 
and say, well, pastor, you got three options. You got Psalm 31, you got Psalm 58, or you got Psalm 122. And he put his head back down. Why? The man delighted in the law of God. My friend, by your conversation and by your time, would our family, would even in our own introspection of our life, say that we delight in the word of God? Where we get our counsel, path, two paths, not just where you get your counsel, but number two, where are you grounded? Verse three, he is like a tree, blesses the man whose delight is in the law of the Lord. He's meditating on it. He's like a tree that's planted by the streams of water and yields its fruit in its season. Its leaf does not wither. So as he delights in the word of God, he is like a tree that is planted by a river of water. He has nourishment. He is gaining sustenance. He is growing. He is experiencing fruit as opposed to the one that is going after the counsel of the wicked that does what? He's like a chaff that's just blown around. The one that is delighting in the law of God is grounded. It has nourishment. He's not just being blown around by the things of life. You hear this all the time. Well, that was old. Now, I mean, we've grown in our knowledge. And, and so now, while that used to be okay back then, the Bible is old-fashioned. You know what the beauty of being delighting in the Word of God is? It never changes. Just look at people today. Well, this used to work, so try this. Well, that doesn't work now. Okay, then try this, try this, try this. And what is, this is the picture. You're just chaff, and wherever the wind's blowing, you're back and forth and back and forth, and there's no, no fruit, and you're always looking for the next best, best thing, the next best counselor, the next best uh, psychologist, the next best uh, TV preacher, the next best talk show host to give you more advice that you can try out. And they're just walking down this path, and it's just this way, and then this way, and then this way. And they're just all over the place. They're just being blown around. Why? Because there is no truth in it. The beauty of delighting in the law of the Lord is you're grounded. God never changes. His word, his truth is the same yesterday, today, forever. The word of God will last forever, and we ground ourselves in that, and that is the source of our counsel. That is the source of how we live our life, how we parent our kids, how we do all these other things. And this is what we're doing in our Digging Deeper, starting this morning, little plug here uh, for our classes. We are studying these things to say, how do we biblically handle, whether it's parenting or CHIP, even how do we biblically handle the, the questions that are being asked of us about who Christ is? Or Paul going through Galatians, or Sherry going through 1 Peter, or, or even Adam. How do we radically live our life and follow the King? Why are we studying that? Because we need to be grounded in the Word of God. So we're not just being blown all over in our life. It's just going after one thing after another and just being blown around. That we can be grounded and bring forth fruit. And ultimately, number three, the blessed is the man Delights in the law of the Lord. He's grounded because his ending is different. Look what he says. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous. The way of the wicked will perish. What's the problem after going after the counsel of the wicked? It's not just the fact that you're being blown around like chaff. 
The reality is, going after the counsel of the wicked, you have to look at the end game. We live in a very superficial, I want it now world. Which means we do what? Whatever works for me right now, I won't worry about. This is, this is our money ideas. Okay? Even as Guy taught through the class on how to manage your money, the, the, the idea now is I don't worry about my payments five years from now. I worry about can I make it now? And what ends up happening? Eventually it catches up with you and the payments do and you can't make the payment and now you have issues. That's often how we do with counsel. Well, whatever works for me now. Is this not what the psalmist says when he says, you know what, I looked around and I saw the wicked, Psalm chapter 73. When I looked at it and I saw the wicked and it looked like their life was perfect and maybe I should live like them, but they're not following God. They're not going and worshiping God. He says, I, I, I was tempted to go after them until what? He says, until I went to the sanctuary of God and I discovered their end. It's not worth it to live now. Get in the counsel of the wicked, the scoffers, the sinners. Being blown around and going after these things that, that may seemingly work immediately and may make me happy and may make me seem like this is a good idea. But then we look down here and say, look at the end result of this. It is destruction. Just talking this week with one of the coaches up at the high school. Even in this area, just taking an example of marriage. And the advice of, you know what? Man, it's okay. Divorce your wife. It will look it it, it look how much life will be easier. And I said to him, I said, just think about that advice for a minute. Talk to anybody. Who has to share kids talk to anybody who's gone through the pain of divorce yes for this moment that counsel may seem wise but why not fight for your marriage god has the answers it is scientifically proven and also biblically proven it's better for you and for your kids and for your spouse to remain together why would you do that and yet my friends listen to whole lot of people around our community that are going after the counsel of the wicked. And their end is going to be destruction. The sad part is is that often those that are going after the counsel of the wicked are people. Followers of Christ. People that sit in this sanctuary that say, you know what? I just don't know that the Bible is enough. My friend, let me tell you the Bible is enough. Delight in it. Know it. Read it. Meditate on it. Memorize it. Know the Word of God. If there's anything I've been challenged by by reading this and looking at the records of these kids in Nawana, is my friend, listen to me. I, as one of your pastors, do not delight in the Word of God enough. I should not be being out-memorized by my three-year-old, my five-year-old, my seven-year-old. We need to delight in God's word more. I need to delight in God's word. That's where I need my answers. That's where I should 
meditate. That's where my mind should be. Can I encourage you? Get in the Word of God. Be grounded in it. See fruit from it. Grow from it.